0: John, So you all know, if you don't know, you have the four gospels of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these individuals, first of all, before I start, when we talk about the author of the Bible, okay, because you obviously have different people that have written different scriptures. And if you really know and you begin to read and you, you understand, there is definitely Some perspective on everyone's perspective that John's going to speak on what he saw, how the Lord impacted him and, and how the way that it's written is different than Luke, it's different than John, it's different, excuse me, it's different than Matthew, it's different than Mark. And is different than Luke. And if you also read the Apostle Paul, the way he writes, he has his way of writing. Uh, you know, you can, he was the one that wrote. And if you also look at many different individuals that have written the, the, in the Bible, okay, when I'm speaking about not only the Gospels in this case, the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Let's get that clear. Now, however else... How it's projected, it's the Spirit of God, just with the hands and the perspective on these individuals. But the author of the Bible is the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit of God. It's God's Word. Written by XYZ. Can I get an amen? Amen. All right, good. So let's just get that clear first out of the way. And this happens for the rest of your lives, you church that are here, those of you watching me live. The Bible, yes, has different authors, but it is the one that is guiding these individuals or guided these individuals is the spirit of God. It is God's word. Amen. Amen. Okay, good, let's just get that clear because I want to be certain that I am going to be talking about John and it's going to be a couple of weeks that we're going to be talking about John, but it is the spirit of the living God to, uh, through his perspective, amen, and through what he lived with Jesus. Okay, cool. So let's start with John. He's one of the four of uh, the gospels is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're all similar but not the same. Who was John. On, well, if you read it um John it is it is said that he is the disciple Jesus loved or the beloved disciple of sure Jesus remember Jesus Jesus loved Jesus loves all of us the same this is just in the context and if you read the scripture and i have other verses that i can back up with what i'm saying here as John you read it is and some and in Inside of, of of the 21 chapters, by the way, John has 21 chapters in the Gospel of John. You'll see that uh, this is more than once he's he, you see John referring to himself as the beloved disciple. The purpose of this book, I'm gonna do you. I'm gonna do a quick overview, and then I'm gonna get started and dive in. I don't have all day. Once again, I have a we're gonna we're gonna. We're going to dive into something. I know the spirit of God is already working on many of you right now, even as I speak. Amen. And I know that um, it's going to be impactful. And I'm excited. And I know that this is only the beginning. So I'm going to do a quick introduction, quick overview. And then I'm going to start. John 20:31 in the English Standard Version says, The purpose of this book, the reason why John wrote this book. Let's dive right in. It says here. But these are written, as a matter of fact, I don't think I told you guys back there. Please put it for me. John 20, 31 in the English Standard Version. There it is. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. You want to sum up the whole book of John? It is right there, John 20, verse 31. John not only believes that Jesus in this story is real from all that he witnessed during his life, but he knows that he resurrected and he is alive. Someone say amen. John believes that Jesus is alive and real and can change you, change your life forever. It consists of 21 chapters, as I said. It is referred to as a spiritual reflective account of Jesus' ministry. The book emphasizes Jesus As the word of God, which we're going to dive in now when it comes to the word. Throughout the book of John, John highlights various miracles, teachings, interactions of Jesus. The emphasis of faith, love, hope, and the importance of believing as Jesus, as the Messiah, as the son of God. Hallelujah. It also includes many parables, his arrest, crucifixion, and his resurrection. This book overall... Offers different perspectives on the life of Jesus and aims to inspire, as I just read there, to, for everyone to believe in him as a savior. Hallelujah. Quick overview. Now we're going to dive in. Let's start with chapter 1. You ready church? Say amen. John 1, 1 through 1-18. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God, he was with God, excuse me, let me say that again, he was in the beginning with God, verse number three, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made, in him was life, and the life was the light of men, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Cool. God, just reading this alone. is not a preaching in itself. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all may believe through him. He was not the light but came to bear witness about this light. Can I get a witness in here? Someone say amen. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him yet the world did not know him. To talk. I mean, I can't just explain the whole thing there. But we're going to start. And the Lord told me to talk about the first right there. And you could tell, let's start with this. Leave this up with me because I only have a couple of more minutes to discuss this. But it's going to be very powerful. And I'm excited for the next couple of weeks because I know that the spirit of God is just going to shine himself and it's going to awaken in each and every one of you. Praise the Lord. Let's look at one. It says there, in the beginning was the word. Now, isn't that very similar to something you've ever heard before? If you're never, have you ever heard of the Bible? From where have you heard of in the beginning? Genesis 1 1. You can see that directly correlated. In the beginning was the word. Now, before we talk about the beginning, whose beginning are we talking about? Okay, I don't want to blow your minds either, but this is good because we're talking about scripture today. And this is good because now we can all, we can all talk, we can all, you know, get the more knowledge and gain knowledge. Amen. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. So what do you mean? Who's beginning? Well, the beginning. In the beginning. Wait a second. Doesn't it tell me that God is the alpha and the omega? There is no beginning or or no end. I've always been. I've always will be. And now I'll never have a beginning. I'll never have an end. But you see, this beginning, we're talking about now in the beginning in the beginning when God decided, boom, to create us, human, the earth and the beginning. Someone say amen. Amen. God created everything with his word in the beginning. Two important things to know here, and I'm getting somewhere with this. So we know that by his word it correlates to Genesis in the beginning and how God created everything with his word. Two important things to notice here when it comes to words. A person's words are distinct from that person. Hold on. And number two, they are also the embodiment or symbolism of that person's mind, thought, and will. I'm getting somewhere with this, church. If you're with me, say Amen. Now, why are a person's words distinct from that person? Well, I'm going to tell you right now. A person's words are distinct from that person because those words may reflect thoughts, beliefs, or values that may not fully sum up who their entire identity is. Words can be, think of of this, how many times this happened to us in life, okay? Pay attention, and I'm going somewhere with this. I'm talking about us right now as humans. Words can be influenced by various factors, such as your mood. How many times have we ever said something about something we may not even have meant before? Someone say amen. Your intentions, your circumstances, it's important to consider the context of when trying to interpret what someone's words are. They may not completely represent who they are as a whole just because of what someone said. Can I get an amen? Are we all on the same page? Normally, a person's words are distinct from that person. One day, there could be a time you may be upset there may be a situation, some type of conflict. I can't sit here and say who you are as a whole, your identity as an individual, because of some word you said. Can I get an amen? How many times have we said things later that we you know, we sometimes regret? Obviously, God's in another stratosphere, but I'm getting somewhere with this. Now, embodiment. What is an example of an embodiment? The second. So the first one we know about it, words could be distinct from that person. Now, how is it that they are an embodiment or symbolism what that person's minds or thoughts or will are? What, an ex- what is an example of an embodiment? For example, a flag is an embodiment of a country. Your passport represents who you are. How many of you guys know you have a heavenly passport? Amen. Those of you that are children of the living God, you are from above, amen, not from beneath. For example, when you talk about embodiment, you're talking about giving a form to an idea. Normally, it's not physical, like love, hate, fear, justice. A wedding ring can be the embodiment or the symbolism of love. What are some of the synonyms of embodiment? Well, it represent, it exemplifies, it personifies, it symbolizes. I'm getting somewhere with this church. The spirit of God told me to dive deeper and say, what is the the distinction between a person's word versus the embodiment or symbolism of the words that are being spoken? You can't always assume a person is a complete distinction of what he's speaking, but you can have an idea of what he represents. I'm going to say that again. Pay attention with me, church. I know I'm diving deep, but I'm getting somewhere. You can't always assume a person is in complete distinction of what he's saying, but you could have an idea of what that person represents, what it exemplifies, what, is, what, is, what it signifies by what is being said. For example, let's say we're talking about creation. You think that you can know God completely just by reading Genesis 1 and you know everything he created? No, you know he's a creator. He's a creator. With what he spoke, you know there's power. But can you know God by just reading the first book of Genesis? Can I get an amen? In the beginning, God created the heavens, and you know, you can't know God completely by this, but you can embody the fact that he's a creator. Now you're with me, say amen. Now this is true for individuals, because I love it. I mean, I'm getting, I'm diving deep in this and I don't have that much time and it's only the first chapter, the first verse of this book of John. People who study text, logos versus Rema. You guys ever heard of this before? Because I've talked about this before. And if not, I'm going to tell you what it is. If you study the text solely Based off scripture, based off logos, the literary term, textually speaking, versus rhema, which is the spoken word. You see, you'll only get a small piece of what this is. You see, when you understand that the words, because now we're talking about God. God is the word. It's one thing to just read it and say the word is God, and then all of a sudden the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word is God. It's literal versus one thing is textual, one thing is the spoken word. Rhema word versus logo word. Hearing something versus it becoming it real to you. And when you understand that in Christ... Because later on you see that this word later became flesh. Jesus, man, he puts, he puts that distinction. He puts anything that the embodiment and the distinction, man, they become one because God is the word. His word is Jesus. It became flesh. It became real. How many times have you ever encountered? This is what John was trying to tell us and let us know. That this word, the word of God is life. It's real. It became manifest. And Jesus, man, he is 100% human and 100% God. But you have to understand that there's a difference between hearing something and it becoming real to you. And this is what the spirit of God told me. Are you just hearing these words or is this word life in your life? Is it becoming real to you? Have you experienced it or have you only heard it? Have you experienced this word? Because one thing is to take it in a literary, literary, literary form. My tongue just got twisted there. With Jesus, the distinction of, and the embodiment become one. The symbolism and what's spoken is the same. It's one. It's the word of God. And this now life came, became, He, look what it says here. Look what it says here. Praise the name of Jesus. In Philippians 2, 5 through 8, this divine word, the word of God became human. And sometimes we don't understand the depth of that, but in Philippians 2, 5 to 8, look what it says, how Christ, from where he was, humbled himself. Verse 6 says, who being in the very nature, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Go to the next verse. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. How many of you know Jesus Christ came to serve, not to be served? He became that word that's always existed. We know that he's always been, always has been, always will be. He humbled himself for you and for me. This word, this this word is God. Remember, he and God are one. Someone say amen. amen. He humbled himself. Look what it says here in verse seven. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. Someone, give your man. Give, put your hands together for Jesus, man. John writes this gospel not only so that those reading it can know what Jesus did, but his main goal was his desire for those reading this gospel to have an encounter with him. You see, you can read, 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 read scripture, but if you don't understand that this word is God, that power that you have is because that word that is living within you. Listen, now it's not just you have rhema and you have logos. Logos is the written word, is the literary term, is the what you read. Man, theologians do this all the time. I know people that read the word of God from an archaeological standpoint, historically speaking. All they do is just, some of these people even try to find flaws in the Bible. And it's pretty sad. Some of them get that encounter. Some of it, this word becomes life to them. And if you want to experience it, you need to experience it. How many, I know so many people that believe in Jesus but have never experienced him. I know people that say they know Jesus, that they love Jesus, but they've never experienced Jesus. And I know this isn't people in here in this church, I don't know if there's anyone watching me online. But guess what? You need to experience it. That life needs to become life. That light needs to shine. The only way for you to truly have an encounter with God is if you experience that Rema word, that spoken word, needs to become life in you. Someone put your hands together, church. Come on. One thing is to just write a story. Another, man... One thing is to read a story, another thing is for that story to become life. I'm going to give you a perfect example, and I've used this example before. I can tell you about the best restaurant in the world and how good that cheeseburger is. Every time I, tell, I think of Robert, you know this one. I can tell you how good this cheeseburger is. I can, we can read about it, man. I'll tell you the ingredients. I'll tell you at what temperature you need to cook it. I'll tell you the cheese. I'll tell you the onions. I'll tell you the condiments. I'll tell you what type of mayonnaise, mustard, cheese. I don't know. I hope you're not vegan in here. Sorry. <laughs> we, can do the, we can do the impossible burger that's, your, that's that's your cup of tea. One thing is for you to read it, but man, there's another thing is that you come with me, I take you to this restaurant and you take a bite of this thing. One thing is to read books about love, one thing is to fall in love. Talk to anyone about that. <laughs> I'll never make that mistake. Yeah, wait till you fall in love. I'll never I'll never make that mistake, yeah, wait till you fall in love or wait till When I'm a parent, I will never let my kids do that. All right, wait till you're a parent. I bet you're gonna let them do a couple of things you say you won't. One thing is to read about it. One thing is to experience it. The same works with God. You can't just read only about that. It needs to come to life. You need to ask the spirit of God to come and man reveal things to you, to make it life into you, into your life. To expose himself in different ways than just sitting there and memorizing a verse. What good is it if you read a verse a thousand times about repentance, but you never truly repent? And this is the spirit of religiosity. That this is why we don't preach religion here in this church. We preach a personal relationship with God, because I don't care how many times you make a mistake. If you truly repent, you'll be. Re- God will. Re- but if you make a mistake once a month and you say, "Oh, I just read twenty verses, and I'll be, and I'm saved," because that's what someone told me. I'm not going against anyone here, and I'm not saying that. if you, I, I'm saying this. You can't fool God. It's either you're sincere or you're not. He knows who's sincere. If you're real with God, he's going to be real with you. You truly believe in God or you're just faking this. Are you experiencing it? You cannot lie to God. You may be the one here with your hand raised higher than anyone else. But if you're not real in here with God, he's going to know. I may not know. You may fool your neighbors, but you can't fool God. You need to experience this word. You need to experience God. He is real. He loves you. And one thing is to read it. One thing is to experience it. Put, get on your feet, church. Hallelujah. Wow, and Jesus is where you find this, man. This is this is real. The only way to experience God is to experience Jesus. They're one. And I and I and I, I've seen it countless times. Yeah, I believe in God. I. I, 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 you know, and I've seen people. I, I just, I, I, will know it too to a certain extent, because the spirit of God sometimes talks to me, and I just know. Man, I'll know when someone is marked or when someone's not. It's hard. The spirit of God talks to me sometimes when it comes to that. I may, I may, I may not be. I'm not God, but you. uh, There's a certain. What's the word? Discernment. Thank you very much. It's my team right here. There's a certain discernment. But regardless, I'm not the judge. It doesn't matter what my opinion is. It's about what God's opinion is. But I am saying I have seen individuals that I've perceived in my spirit that they haven't had that experience with God, that encounter with God. And you need to have that personal encounter with God. Because one thing is to hear about Jesus. One thing is to know about Jesus. One thing is to say... Yeah, I love God. But one thing is to know the love, experience it, and that's what John desires, and that's what we—that's why we're here. That's what we all desire. I've encountered God many different times. And there's days that I'm, man, I'm just I'm constantly, constantly, constantly. And there's times that I've read the Scripture and I'm praying for God to reveal himself to me and on the certain days that he'll reveal himself to me one way another day another but but the experience it will always be different for each and every one of us you'll never have it the same way god works in different differently to different people but that experience that encounter is an important you you must know god not just hear about god and there's a difference And today I want to give you an opportunity to really know God if you're in here today and you don't know God. Or if you're watching me live through the internet right now. This word is God. God's word. Hallelujah. But the only way to know this word is that you got a man because Jesus is the word. And what Jesus did for you is in order for you to receive this word, to receive that revelation, in order for you to be saved, in order for you to truly encounter God, it can only be done through Jesus. See, Jesus said, I am the door. Jesus became flesh because he had to pay a price for the sins of this world. For yours, for mine, and for all of humanity. Even after Jesus did what he did, performed all the miracles, and as you see, as the weeks go by, I'm gonna be talking more about the book of John, and you're gonna see that even individuals that were there with him, hand on, face to face, saw what Jesus did, saw the miracles, saw the raising of Lazarus from the dead, saw how Jesus fed thousands of individuals with only f- two loaves of bread, and uh, two fish and five loaves of bread. There's a bunch of miracles, things that I'm gonna continue to, to discuss along the weeks and you're going to see there's certain individuals that even after seeing all that still wanted to kill jesus still didn't believe and it's sad but what can we do we just got to continue to pray and continue to pray look what's going on in the world right now it's pretty sad all man we feel what's going on in the middle east we feel it here we just we we need jesus what side are you on man i'm on no I'm, I'm, I'm with jesus I'm praying for peace for the Middle East. I don't want no one dying that doesn't need to die, man. I'm praying for peace in the Middle East. We know we got to pray for Israel, amen. But do I know that what they're doing is 100% right? I don't know, because if they don't think Jesus is the Messiah, they're going to burn in hell like the rest of the world. I'll be honest. I am the door, Jesus said. No man can come to the Father except through me. That's what my God says. That's what my Bible says. Every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess. So our prayer is that all those individuals, everyone in the world, believes in Jesus. Because he is king. He is the Messiah. And that's what I know. And that's what we need to preach till the ends of the earth. Man, you're a radical. Listen, I believe in Jesus, man. I'm going to keep preaching to the day I die. I believe in my king. And I'm going to continue to do it because we got to fight the good fight of faith and we do it by showing love because that's the, what God is, his love and we're here to be a light that light is what changes and that light is the light of men man, it's Jesus can't sit here and tell you who's right and who's wrong I know, I'm not the judge but I know man, that in Jesus we can find hope, we can find rest we can, man, we, all things can be possible through Jesus and if you're in here today, you've never experienced this Jesus, you've heard of Jesus, man, but you know you need to you need to experience Jesus. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man can come to the Father except through me.